Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's show is going to be interesting. At least it will be if you've never heard of a compound called kava. I've covered so many of Mother Nature's, I'm going to call them medicinal plants on the show, whether I've talked about my ayahuasca experience a long time ago or the amazing powers of coffee as a superfood or even nicotine, uh, where you heard from Dr. Nicotine about what it can do. And you realize that certain plant compounds do stuff for people. And CBD oil and cannabis and things like that are one of the latest things. And you, of course, we'll see the medicinal mushrooms are just about to be legalized in a lot of the, a lot of the country. So what about kava? Kava's been out there for a long time. And it's something that is mood boosting, something that I've played with over the years, but I had kind of written off because of concerns uh, that I had about safety that it turns out were warranted, but aren't warranted by real kava. Uh, and I also just could never feel an effect. And I finally found some stuff that worked for me where I could quantifiably see a difference uh, in my sleep quality from it. And I said, all right, this isn't a fad. I was kind of concerned it was one of those, oh, it's exotic and it, it doesn't do anything. And I realized it absolutely does do something. Uh, so I found a, a guest who decided uh, to, uh, and, and thank you for this, uh, Cameron, decided to sponsor the show to help get the message out about it, uh, which is something that I'm, I'm grateful for, and to offer a special to you guys listening so you can save some money. You listen to the show, you save some money if you want to try it, because it, knowledge that's expensive to implement isn't as useful as knowledge that's more affordable to implement, and I think this is worth your time and attention. With no further ado, Cameron, uh, welcome to the show. Dave, I'm so glad to be here. It's an honor. Thanks so much for having me. You know, Cameron, you are one of those guys kind of like me who said, all right, I have a personal health issue that's really vexing, that's tweaking on me. You found something that really worked and you said, you know, I'm going to solve some problems in the industry. I'm going to make something that I couldn't buy and I'm going to talk about it relentlessly because I think it's worthy. And so because of your deep research and your personal experience with it, uh, you kind of hit the level to come onto the show where we can go deep on kava and the brain and all this. And let's let's get started first. Just tell me what is kava, and then I want to hear about how you found it. But for people who've never heard of this, like kava, kava, what? So what is kava? So kava essentially it's a it's a stress relieving drink. So what is kava? Traditional kava is a stress relieving drink that's that's made from the roots of a small shrub that grows in islands in the South Pacific called Piper methysticum. And the word actually means intoxicating pepper. Um, but it's been used in these, this, these island chains, mainly uh, you know, places like Fiji and an island chain called Vanuatu that's right next to Fiji is actually the home of where kava was first traced back to. Um, you can find it in Hawaii and Tonga, and you can also find it in places like Samoa and Papua New Guinea. It's all over the South Pacific, but exclusively grows in the South Pacific. But it's been used there for over 3,000 years sort of as a, a social enhancing, anxiety relieving sort of like alcohol alternative. Of course, when it was first started, they weren't even using alcohol, of course. But, um, you know, it's mainly used for, you know, enhancing mood, relaxation, mental clarity. Those are the most tangible effects. But whenever you actually start to dive into the scientific literature and you start to dive into some of the anthropological accounts and talk to the indigenous people, you realize that just like most of these medicinal plant medicines that are now getting their second day in the middle of this plant renaissance that we're kind of in the middle of, 
there's multi-therapeutic action because you're talking about a living organism uh, that has all of these different mechanisms that work at all different levels of human biology. So traditionally, uh, when you go back in time, kava, was it like a ceremonial thing? Was it a, a nightcap? Was it uh, kind of a daily thing? Like, how did it fit into island life? Yeah, exactly. So kava is actually, it may be the most valuable substance in all of, uh, you know, in, in, in the whole culture when it comes to like the cultures of Vanuatu and even Fiji. Um, it's, it's, it's Vanuatu's number one export. And they use it in almost every context imaginable. So they drink it like we drink coffee and they drink it like we drink alcohol, except they prefer it, of course, over alcohol. There are regular bars in the islands, um, but there's about 20 times more kava bars in the islands because they prefer it because they can maintain their sobriety and they don't feel as though it makes them, or, you know, puts them into an altered state or makes them a different person. And there's no addiction and all these things that are associated with it. But it's mainly used for weddings, funerals, spiritual ceremonies, social gatherings, Virtually every single context where um, you know individuals are coming together and trying to connect um, and trying to experience sort of more of an empathetic uh, you know connection between one another um, and sort of really explore themselves and explore others because there are properties to kava that make it amazing for doing that while not compromising your fine motor skills or sort of leading to drunkenness and any of these things. So it you know it's said in the islands that. You know, a man who drinks alcohol becomes a beast, but a man who drinks kava becomes more of who he really is. So it's it's really seen, it, it elicits sort of a kind of state of calm, enhanced focus. So it's like an enhanced state of sobriety. And that calm focus is kind of like an alpha state that's uh, happens to be the prime state for learning and concentration and getting into a state of introspective and creative thinking. So it's really a substance to these people in the islands. So it's not going to make you I mean, trip balls. You say using it spiritually, it, it, it's not like, you know, I, I smoked a lot of pot and, you know, I, I'm kind of lit. I've never experienced that even from higher dose kava, but is that a thing? Absolutely. Well, no. Okay. So, so the amazing thing about kava out of all, I've, I've experimented and had pretty extensive experiences with almost every major psychoactive plant substance from the really heavy psychedelics I've done sessions with ayahuasca, you know, uh, with, um, you know, psilocybin and LSD and all these kind of things. Um, and of course with cannabis medically, of course, and, uh, especially whenever I was younger and stuff, kava fits in a category of its own. Um, I think there's a lot of wisdom in the fact, and the indigenous people know this because they have more powerful plant medicines like psilocybin mushrooms in Vanuatu and things, but they choose kava as their sort of main psychoactive that they embrace in their culture, because I think there's wisdom in the understanding that the best medicine is not necessarily the one that hits you over the head or sort of turns your whole world upside down immediately, but the one that can be taken regularly and be slowly integrated and you can continue to get cumulative benefit over a long period of time. Um, so kava does have minor psychedelic properties, which we can get to a little bit later in more depth, but um, it has properties that allow you to experience a hint of that state, very similar to dosing actually, but without um, a lot of the, you know, you know, the legal issues and it doesn't, you maintain your sobriety. It's sort of enhanced uh, state of uh, sobriety introspectively. So, okay. So you're not really going to be tripping, but you do feel relaxed. Correct. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I, that, that's what I experienced. I've never even entered a, a profound alpha state that I'm aware of from it. And I, I know what alpha feels like because of all the neurofeedback training that I do at 40 years of Zen and all. Uh, but I do notice really profound effects on my sleep. Uh, for instance, I'm in the late stages of uh, cranking out 
my new book. And and I go through this like two-year kind of creative process where you're building a skeleton and then you build kind of the muscles and the connective tissue. And then you you do the final step where it's like you put the skin on it and, and you make sure every word is where it needs to be. So last night, against all of my sleep hacking advice, I stayed up till four, right? And I do this consciously and I've got all the red lighting on so I'm not really breaking my sleep. Uh, and I, uh, I, so I've actually been doing this for almost a week straight where I'm just like doing 30, 40 pages of just careful word examination, rewriting, adding a reference and just, you know, making it as perfect as I know how. Last night I forgot to take my true kava when <laughs> I went to bed at four uh, and I take a handful of sleep stuff. And this morning I woke up and I looked at my aura ring and I was like, oh, that's weird. My REM sleep wasn't nearly what I thought it would be. I still slept six hours. I just shifted my sleep later, which should have given me more REM sleep. And my deep sleep was just fine because I controlled my light, but my dream stuff wasn't where I wanted it to be. It was only like 40 minutes. Guys, I slept five hours last night. And I'm like, it was only 40 minutes. That kind of kills on most people, but I should have had an hour and 20 minutes. And I think it's because I didn't take the true kava. Uh, that was the one variable there. And I've noticed that in other times. So even under extreme sleep things, it's part of the sleep hacking that works. Is that from alpha or is that from something else? Okay, so it's important to note too, uh, you know, because what you've been using is the oil, correct? You've been using the Kava Flex, right? Yeah, I love that stuff. You've been using the Kava Flex, right? Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, so we have you know the Kava Flex oil. We also have a true Kava shot that looks like a five-hour energy shot that we just yep. released. It's actually... So basically, all of our products are made with traditional preparation methods, which I can explain what those are here a little bit later um, if you want. But uh, you know, the traditional preparation is where you get the real effects of kava, and a lot of what we see on the market um, is, is, uh, are, are, are products that are made through solvent extraction, crude solvent extraction. It, cut, it cuts down and only absorbs and pulls out certain active constituents and leaves others, and so you don't get sort of the full lactone matrix and you can look at this by you know you know doing lab analysis and looking at chemotype and the ratios of the lactones and there's other constituents in it as well that sort of give it sort of that full entourage effect the cobaplex though is specifically designed to be the full lactone complex but to be in a concentration in form that's subtle and the most versatile for all ages to take it virtually most times of the day it's it, you know normally it doesn't knock you out it leads to a good sleep that strain that we're using, uh, that strain that we started with is a really balanced strain. But the effects of the Cobaplex are meant to be very subtle and run in the background and to give you all of those therapeutic effects of traditional Kava at a reasonable concentration. The true Kava shot is quite a bit stronger and it gives you more of those nootropic effects because we put an extra strain in there from Tonga that has more of a dopaminergic action to it. Um, products that we're working on in the future uh, are even much more powerful. So whenever you get up to like traditional drink products, um, you actually have effects that can be pretty indistinguishable from alcohol and really strong nootropics. So the game sort of changes go up. So the can be very, very different. The Cobaplex, what most people use the Cobaplex for is either for sleep, you know, later at night, or they, they, they mix it like in a bulletproof style coffee because both caffeine and MCT both help with the absorption because it's a lactone complex and it really kicks it in more. Whenever you mix it in there, then you really it really showcases and brings out the nootropic effects even of the oil. So, so that's yeah. that's interesting. So you really get uh, you, you get a solid effect from that. I haven't I have the shots. I've taken a shot once, but it was just one. I'm a relatively large guy, and uh, I can't say that I was sitting around like meditating to see if I could notice this little differences. So I probably would need two just because I'm you know a couple hundred pounds. 
Well, and this is actually an important point too with Kava. So there's a phenomenon uh, that the indigenous people have always described, and now we can sort of look in the scientific literature and we see some evidence for this. And everyone, the, the, the researchers and scientists that work on Kava sort of in the ethnobotanical community have hypothesized this forever too. Um, but there's a phenomenon called reverse tolerance with Kava, where instead of getting the most prominent effect, like a pharmaceutical first time you take it and then tolerance ensues and you downregulate receptors and then you end up in a, um, you know, a state of sort of like neurotransmitter resistance and then, you know, you get lesser and lesser effects so you take it over time, you have to increase your dose. With Kava, just the exact opposite happens. So when people first take Kava, if, especially if you're getting traditional preparations, there's, I always tell people to take the 30-day Kava challenge because... When I first took it, I got effects, but they were very subtle. And then I started, I was preparing it the traditional way and drinking the big sort of muddy water preparation. I was drinking large amounts. After about a week of taking it, the effects seemed almost double. After about a month and especially two months, um, it totally changed. So there's a cumulative effect that once you hit that peak, it always remains, but uh, there's a break in how did you get to be such a Kava nerd? I mean, there are people who are exploring all sorts of things and then they just fall in love with one thing, sort of, how'd you stumble on this stuff? It's not well known. Yeah. So like so many people in this industry, you know, you've had so many people on this uh, show that have sort of healing journeys and stories. And mine, my story was definitely one of those, what I call a pain to purpose uh, journey. Um, you know, meaning that it, it came out of a lot of these discoveries that I made and even a lot of the other stuff that I've involved in now, I do, you know, writing for other, you know, experts in the field and, conduct research and so on and so forth. And, um, it, it all came out of my own pain. Um, I got very, very sick at an early age. I, I was always kind of a, kind of a sickly kid, I'd say. I mean, most people wouldn't, have, but, but now, you know, looking back at it retrospectively, I know the signs because I know the signs of sickness and susceptibility and sort of, I had a lot of hyper impulsive behaviors that I know now were sort of a compensatory reactive behavior because my system was, experiencing a metabolic deficit, low energy. So I'm trying to stimulate myself with dopamine, uh, you know, from any kind of impulsive behavior to sort of overcome that. And you see that in a lot of kids that are hyper impulsive, you know? Um, and so I, I had some issues because of some of my underlying issues. I ended up compensating in ways that are progressively more toxic. I ended up into drugs at an early age and stuff and, you know, some, some pretty egregious life circumstances and, um, things broke down and then I was trying to do the responsible thing by redirecting my addiction towards something that I thought was healthy. And then I became absolutely obsessed and fixated on competitive endurance sports and overtraining was my life. And, uh, that was definitely a contributing factor that led to the system burning itself out. But I was at one point at the time that things crashed, I was running about 150 miles a week and my adrenals crashed. I ended up in a psychiatrist's office, was prescribed a whole bunch of drugs amphetamines, Adderall was the main one. And that essentially was the thing that took me out. It was like putting jet fuel in a, a damaged car engine, you know, that's already running too hot. So, um, I ended up developing huge spectrum of, of illness, uh, you know, autoimmune illness, including seizures and a whole host of different things ended up chemically sensitive. Um, and you know, unable to leave my home for years actually. And I had nothing to do, but scour medical and scientific literature to try to, uh, you know, you know, figure out answers to my problems because going the allopathic road and giving up responsibility uh, of my own health to, to somebody else was the thing that almost completely did me in. And to say Adderall and that drug um, destroyed my life would be like the understatement of my life because it, uh, it, it, it took me out completely at that point. 
that's definitely, I will do anything not to take a pharmaceutical after this. And it's, it's sort of why I got into Kava in the first place. Um, how I really found it was while I was sick, um, things got so bad. So you know, once I had my mind back, as I sort of just alluded to, I realized that my body was totally fried and my nervous system was fried and it was a complete disaster. My nervous system crashed and Adderall was just sort of, it was sort of, you know, the veil that was like, you know, keeping my nervous system elevated, but it was deteriorating on the inside and just being completely burned out. When I went off the Adderall, like I said, everything crashed and, you know, brain fog and fatigue don't even describe it. It was debilitating fatigue where I couldn't get out of bed um, or actually anything. And brain fog doesn't describe it. It was more like brain dead. Um, and it was the most horrifying thing to experience at that age. Um, and I mustered up every bit of cognitive energy that I had to try to find answers and, uh, you know, eventually found my way down the road. I actually just, just one thing real quick, one of the places that I went because I knew that I had such bad brain damage from this and I couldn't, I couldn't really prove it to anybody because it was sort of an invisible thing that people just told me it was in my head and stuff. And it's like, like I wanted to just not leave the house and I had to move back in with my parents and all this stuff. But one of the places I ended up going was I went to, um, uh, Dr. Harch's uh, uh, clinic for hyperbaric oxygen in uh, Marrero, uh, Louisiana, and we yeah, did. He's been on the show, yeah, 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 yeah. Dr. Harch, yeah, so, yeah. And I knew he had been on. I remember listening to his episode. But um, no, he's a great guy, and what they're doing down there with hyperbarics was great. But that was where I got a spect brain scan, just like the aiming clinics do and stuff, obviously. And uh, what the radiologist said whenever they saw my brain on the brain scan was kind of like I've heard you say before about the camouflage thing. It's like, how are yeah. you talking to me right now? Right. <laughs> This scan is comparable to severely progressed 80-year-olds that I see with dementia, right? I don't know how you could even function or why you're not suicidal. And I said, well, I have been suicidal, you know? I mean, I've been there. I don't passively, you know? Um, so that was a big thing for me. And years, years later, being able to see a brain completely transform and change after integrating all the basics and then some of these other things was huge. What you said about brain fog there is it's so important. I had it, the same as you, and this sort of crippling fatigue. And people say, but you look normal. And then they think, oh, you're a malingerer, you're lazy. And like, are you kidding me? Like, I really should punch you for that, but it would just be too much work. <laughs> like, it's so offensive because you are pushing and just struggling, but they don't see it. And, and it's, it's invisible and, and it's hidden. And like you, for me, getting that spec scan that showed, oh, I have a hardware problem. It's not that I'm a bad person. It's not a lack of willpower. It's not a moral failing. It's just something to fix. Uh, that That's one of the reasons that I became a biohacker. And I've you know, publicly credited Dr. Amen and his work for making a big difference in my life. It, it was very empowering to go, oh, thank God, I'm not just like a total loser. <laughs> like There's a reason for it. Uh, and it made a difference, but I didn't necessarily go down the Kava path. I went down all kinds of different paths, you know, neurofeedback and hyperbarics and you know all this stuff that's become part of biohacking. Uh, and I know about the GABA receptor in the brain uh, very specifically. And people drink in part because it it turns on GABA, the neurotransmitter that's a relaxing, uh, calming neurotransmitter. It's the one that turns things down. And you can take GABA. I used to sell a very specific type of GABA supplement. Uh, as a part of the Bulletproof stack in the very early days uh, for sleep. And uh, I, I've always been intrigued because when people drink alcohol, that is, it 
pushes their GABA receptors, but some people get all, like they want to fight, they get belligerent, some people don't, and it seems very unpredictable, but the people who drink it to calm down tend to have GABA issues. Yeah, so this is a really important point, and I'm glad that we, we went into Adderall, and we talked a little about alcohol and stuff too, just uh, you know, drugs of abuse that are addictive, because there's such a distinct difference between these complex plant medicines and pharmaceutical substances, and then I would put alcohol in that category as well too. Um, the entourage effect that we hear about in these plant medicines comes from the fact that a plant medicine or a fungal medicine is a living system. It's a living intelligent system, just like the human body is a living intelligent system. It has a multitude of different active compounds in it that work synergistically. And they're more what I call biologically compatible because they come from our natural ecology, right? And we are actually something that comes from our natural ecology. We're like the apple tree on the tree. We extend it out of this world and there's an intelligence that runs it. And so are the plants, right? And so we try to come in and we try to isolate one individual compound and separate it from a living system, like say, you know, cocaine from the coca leaf. We turn something that's a relatively, uh, you know, relatively safe medicine that people say in Peru use, like with coca tea, you know, on a regular basis and turn into the most destructive substance you can imagine, right? Because it doesn't have that sort of synergy there that signals on multiple different pathways simultaneously in the body and tells different systems to keep itself in check, right? So it's, it's, it's the plant medicines take a systems approach to this from a biochemical perspective. Um, and by doing this, a lot of plant medicines have more of a compatibility that protect against sort of the downregulation of these receptors and depleting cause dependency and withdrawal. But, but so kava has an effect on the GABA receptors and multiple other pathways, but it has more of a modulatory effect that sort of, you know, it's believed now, and there's some evidence to suggest this as well, that there's maybe an upregulatory effect that's responsible for the reverse tolerance effect that I discussed earlier. Um, and so it's sort of waking up and strengthening the parasympathetic nervous system instead of downregulating it and depleting it, if that makes sense. So I have the the shots you sent. I've I've actually used the true kava, um, the oil that you make. Um, I've used that actually. You gave me a sample, I think, at the the last biohacking conference that I was hosting. Uh, and uh, by the way, we're going to do a virtual one and then a, a real one later uh, later this year and next year um, of that conference. That'll be the seventh annual one. But uh, you gave it to me. I'm like, okay, I, you know, but people hand me honestly stacks of stuff at those conferences uh, and. I'm like, okay, I know something about kava. I'm going to try this, but I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit, to be perfectly honest. Like, oh, good God. Like, like so many people are, are just giving me stuff. And a lot of it, you, look, you read the ingredient label, and you're like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to take this. Like, I, I know that you're, you know, you're, you're putting your best stuff forward, uh, but you look at that ingredient list, like it's not well formulated, or you're using ingredients the wrong way, and you put pepper extract in there because you read about it somewhere, even though it pokes holes in your gut and all that. Uh, and you didn't uh, you didn't do any of that with your stuff. And I said, right, I'm going to try this. And I noticed the difference. And that's my bar for any supplement I'm going to take. I should be able to notice the difference. Or if I know that it's one of those long-term things that you can quantify, but you have to take it for six weeks or whatever, then I like to quantify it. Uh, but most of the time, if you can see or sense or feel it, okay, so I, after you gave that to me, I've actually just been buying it on the website <laughs> for like a year or or more. Uh, and then when we connected with someone, like, you know, I, sh I should just get you on the show because I, I like it. But I haven't tried the shots. You sent them to me. So if I take one right now, this is a, a serious question for you. Uh, I am going to be on another, like a, a really big summit uh, coming up here. They're recording about an hour from now when we finish this thing. So if I take it now, am I going to be, you know, tripping on myself, uh, high as a kite? I'm going to be super chill. Like, what do you think would happen? 
No, so the shot is still a very controlled. It's still formulated specifically to be able to take almost in any context, right? So it's not overwhelming to distract you. It's a, it's a combination of three different strains. One that's more nootropic, and then two that are more anxiolytic that are on there. But it has a really good synergy. Like if you took it with some caffeine and with some MCT, it has an amazing synergy. So most of the, of the guys in your team have actually been doing that and they really love it. Um, we were, you know, we were set it up to, uh, you know, serve it with coffee there at the, at, at the biohacking conference before it was canceled, obviously. Postponed. It's going to happen uh, April 16th next year. So oh, right. people can still buy tickets. It is actually going to happen. And I'm, I'm stoked for that. In the meantime, in October, we're going to have our virtual one. So, all right. So I, I have definitely put uh, the oil that you make in my Bulletproof coffee in the mornings. Uh, today, I'm fasted, though. I've had nothing to eat today. I made like the most amazing baby back ribs last night from my own pork from pigs that we raised uh, and ate that. And I'm going to fast for probably like three days now. Uh, as I'm in the middle of this writing thing. So I'm also planning to stay up really late and continue working on my book. I, it's in like the very last stages of polishing and finishing and just like as perfect as perfect as I can make it. It's not going to make me go to sleep early. It, you know, it, it's just going to kind of put me in the zone. You know, no, it shouldn't. With the strains that we use in there, it definitely shouldn't. If, right. you, if you take it any time of day, it's, that's, that's generally not the effect that you get from it. Now, it generally leads to a good sleep later on. That's fine. I, I want quality sleep when I want the sleep. Okay. I'm going to do it. Right, that means we got to pause for one second while I grab it from downstairs. Hang, hang on one sec. All right, I wasn't planning to do this, uh, but I realized you're, you're convincing me as we go, so I had to go grab this stuff. All right, so I've got the, the oil, the Cavaplex, which is my favorite right now that I take pretty much every night. Even when I travel, I started bringing this up with me. So um, if you're going to carry something when you travel a lot, um, that says a lot. Okay, now I've got... Shots. I've got two of the guava flavor, true kava shots. Um, should I do them both? I would, yeah. All right. And let's see what, what all's in here. Filtered water, kava extract, and you're extracting this with alcohol and heat? What do you do? So, so no alcohol. They're all traditional e extraction methods that, that we developed. So um, we're using a traditional water extraction with a couple other ones that, that uh, you know, we developed as well. And then we concentrated down. So it's the traditional it's the traditional effect. When you extract it with alcohol, you end up, it ends up being a little bit like chamomile tea. It's, it's very, very mild, you know. It doesn't work as well. Okay, cool. And let's see, you've got some uh, pasteurized guava juice, fine. Uh, natural flavor, what's that come from? So the natural flavors, it's a, uh, it, they, we list it under natural flavors. Um, and I'm not really even sure that's, that was actually part of a test batch that was on there. And that label, it's not, it, it shouldn't actually be in there anymore. Oh, so you took it out. Cool. And for, if you're listening to this, like natural flavor, that's bad. Here's the thing. Some natural flavors are actually something you want in there. I use natural flavors in my stuff. I just call my ingredient suppliers and my flavor houses. Yes, there's such a thing as a flavor house. And you say, uh, where's it come from? What is it? And like, we're not going to tell you. I'm like, then I'm not going to use it. So you go through and you find out whether it's actually from plants that are meant to be consumed and all that. So natural flavors don't have to be bad. It's about the integrity of the person who does the formulating. So you took your natural flavor out. Uh, I know about glycerol, but I don't know glycerol abiotate. What is that form of glycerol? That, that one's new to me. I, I would have to, you know, to be 100% sure, I'd have to ask my guys who actually helped me develop the, the final product. But we had dialed it in specifically to try to be as natural as humanly possible. So I, I, I would have to check with them to be honest because I actually hadn't heard of that previous to this before either. 
All right. Um, the reason that I didn't recognize that until I just looked it up is it's an ester of wood resin. Uh, it's a plant-based compound that helps stuff stay suspended. So you don't want a bunch of crap at the bottom. So it's it would be a clean way of keeping things suspended and one that doesn't have uh, any negative effects uh, that, I, I, that I know of. Um, but that's a new name for me. And then you put a couple reasonable uh, preservatives that actually can have positive effects in the body, believe it or not. Uh, all right, so I'm going to give this a shot. By the way, guys, I always read labels uh, before I take stuff. And I like getting to ask people, why is that in there? What, why'd you do that? Okay. And this is still the end of the, of the first run in the test batch until our flavor guys worked with it. And the goal is to have everything 100% organic. And that's what we're trying to move to. We're trying to make them as scalable Okay. All right, so this is truly my first time ever trying the shots. Dang, it smells like passion fruit, not guava. Like, it's really powerful in a good way. Like, I actually want to drink it now. Is that the smell of kava? Because the oil doesn't smell at all. Or is that just guava I'm smelling? No, it has a little bit of the kava smell to it. But uh, it's really... smear this on my face. It smells so good. Let's see. Because normally kava tastes a lot like muddy water. (laughs) Traditional kava does. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Because normally kava tastes a lot like muddy water, honestly. <laughs> Traditional kava does. So trying to get it dialed into a palatable form. It was... Okay, this is, this is really pleasant. You can tell if you're looking for it. There is a, like an earthy, very background flavor. Um, by the way, I'm a super taster and I taste coffee for a living and I make you know collagen bars that don't taste like shoes and stuff. So I, I pay a lot of attention in the food and beverage world. But okay, just from a would I drink this on purpose because it tastes like a good shot? Yeah. Um, let's see what it makes it feel like. Okay, I've got one of those. I'm glad you didn't put sugar in there because I'm fasting today. All right, come, here comes the second shot. Okay, here we go. All right, let's uh, let's see if it kicks in by the end of the. Should I follow up with some of the Cavaplex just because I'm a dork? Yeah, I would. All right, you're gonna get me all uh, all chill here. So this stuff, it's an oil. I do one or two of these every night um, of the Cavaplex. Okay, we'll see how it hits. Um, I actually enjoyed the flavor of that that was really much better tasting than I thought it was gonna be. So thank you for that. Okay. Back to some more of the science on kava now that the, the visceral side was and I, I was like waiting for a good time to taste it. I wanted to talk to you before I took it because I've been in really strong uh, you know, creative mode between the book, the podcast, uh, and working with some of my other companies. So it's been a really intense time and you, just, you don't want to drink something that makes it high for half a day. Right, even you know, experimenting with a new smart drug or something. First, we've really tried to dial them in for versatility. Okay. There are much stronger forms of kava. There are you know forms that we're looking at for the future, especially for the medical space and such, that have specific strains that really are prominent. And none of them really knock you off your center, but they could be a little bit 
distracting if, say, you're trying to work on something. But then others are very nootropic and are very, very good for working. So I have specific forms that I use as well for that. So something else that appealed to me about True Kava, because uh, I it's kind of a big deal. If I'm like, I'm going to add something to my stack every night for a year. I don't do it that often. Like I'll play with things, but for it to, to reach that thing, um, it's a, it's a pretty high bar. So um, you've gone into some of the science that we have with coffee. I'm like, hey guys, could it be that different coffee does different things to you? Because we know different cannabis does different things to you and the way it's processed, does it matter? Well, of course it does. And you have thousands of people, Dave, I can drink your coffee and I don't tweak and I drink normal coffee and I don't. So I know that's real. Uh, and you did something similar with kava because when you look at the research on kava, there's stuff about you know toxicity, there's stuff about mold and things like that. Walk me through what you do to make it pure that people should pay attention to. Absolutely, yeah. So the you know when you talk about kava, just like you just now said, um, it's like we have to be clear about what we're talking about, right? Because if I say cannabis, I could be talking about you know, very potent 30 to 1 THC to CBD hybridized, you know, dabs of, of, of marijuana, or I could be talking about CBD oil, right? They're both cannabis. You know, kava has the same spectrum, right? It has the same spectrum of, 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 you know, of different quality. What I sort of alluded to first and before was that, you know, most kava on the market goes under the name kava kava, um, which most of those products don't meet the true definition of, of kava. No more than a caffeine pill meets the definition of coffee, right? Because, you know, you can't take, isolate caffeine out of something and call it coffee. Kava is the, it's, it's the constituent mixture, right? So it's the water extracted drink or form from the roots of Pipermethysticum. So you cut out a lot of the effects. But then also, most kava on the market too, there's a lot of contamination issues from three or four major factors, right? So because it's a tropical product, just like you've always talked about with coffee, so there's a lot of parallels here, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a starchy root whenever it's first pulled out of the ground, of course. And if it's not dried correctly and not processed correctly, it can develop a lot of mold, which means mycotoxins, of course. Um, if it's grown in specific islands where it's not, they're not using irrigation and such, then you have you know, animals that are grazing the land and they can crap everywhere. And then you end up with E. coli and different bacteria that you can have on it. If it's grown in certain parts, say like over in Fiji and other places, um, they still use a lot of chemical pesticides. Uh, so we have to take everything. We've got to test everything for both industrial and biological contaminants. It's not that different than coffee. Um, when you look at how most coffee is water processed, like, oh, we took some river water, we threw it in these big you know, cement tubs where birds can poop on it, and then we dry it in the sun, and you're like, oh, like maybe, you know, maybe we could do a little better on some of that. So the control of the process mattered to you. And so you end up doing lab testing for pesticides and natural compounds heavy metals sides okay so it, it's a clean product and i i knew some of what you were doing there and that's important uh just because i don't want to feel weird based on different different batches and do you test for the level of kava lactones and that's considered to be the most active ingredient can you define what that is and how you know that it's in there so the kava lactones you're just like cannabinoids in cannabis. It's it's a it's a mixture of active constituents, and there are, there are 18 total known cavalactones. We think that there are probably more, but there are 18 total known, six of which are attributed to elicit the greatest you know contribution to the overall effects of kava. So there's cavain, dihydrocavain, methysticin, dihydromethysticin, yangonin, and desmethoxyangonin. So there's a couple double bonded lactones in there, and lactones are like oily compounds that come to the surface whenever you're making a traditional kava. 
but there are other supportive constituents that come out as well, enzymes and you know flavonoids and you know different things that sort of give it its its effects. Um, but yes, yeah, so we do test for covalactones. We do um, you know a, a a chemotype analysis through you know UHPLC uh, methodology that looks at it gives us a six digit number sequence that uh, you know a numerical value is assigned to each one of the six major lactones, um, and it tells us the ratios of those. So we can you, we can measure the starting material. And then we can measure the material after we do our extraction to see if the ratios have been denatured or not. So we compare those and, and contrast those. We measure for six major covalactones, three chalcones called flavocobines, and we can explain the significance of that. And then, of course, we measure for uh, chlorophyll as well, too, because that'll tell us if we're getting 100% root material, which is the other main thing that we have to test for in kava. Talk to me about strains. I know that there's different strains of kava, and the reason I'm asking actually has to do with maca root. And um, for years ago at Bulletproof, I was like, okay, uh, I want to do a maca product for testosterone. And this was maybe eight years ago, kind of at the early iterations of the company before we'd settled on how important collagen was um, and, and things like that and some of the other supplement formulas. Uh, but then I did my research. I'm like, oh, wait, there's eight strains of maca. And you use a different one at a different time. So for men, you need this one. Oh, and raw maca, which is all the rage, is actually bad for you. It should be cooked down and gelatinized. Uh, and then I actually bought some that was properly made from an ingredient supplier, a very high-end one. And I had it tested through our mycotoxin panels, which are not required by law. And it was very high in aflatoxin, which is a, a very nasty thing. It's a jungle product, right? So... I said, I'm not selling this stuff. Like, it, I don't think it's a good idea, and I never have launched a maca product. So I, I went through that process, and it really informed me on, on kind of how messy it can be, as well as how important the varieties in preparation are. We've covered preparation, but how do you know what variety to use? There are over 200 strains of kava that are used regularly in Vanuatu and Fiji mainly, and then other islands as well. Um, some just kind of like the world of cannabis, there's all these different strains, uh, just like you alluded to. And, you know, some are more daytime oriented, say, and some are more nighttime oriented. So some express certain ratios of certain lactones that say, um, you activate more of the dopaminergic effect more than the GABAergic effect. Right. And so you've got some that are more mood boosting, nootropic, some that are more you know, sedating, some that are a good balance of all of them. Um, what we've chosen to use, say for our first product, we chose one of the more popular strains. Uh, and it's a strain called Baragu, and it happens to be in a specific subclass of strains because there's, there's, there's two main classifications here when we talk about strains. There's strains that are classified by effects, which I just alluded to, and then there's a subclassification of, you know, once you get a strain by effects, then you classify it as either a daily use kava or an acutely medicinal kava, right? And the daily use kava have been given, that category has been given a classification term by the by the governments in Vanuatu, this is where this term started, and it's called noble kava. And you know, noble kava is kava that has to meet a certain chemical composition standard. It has to have a certain chemotype, like I described earlier, and it has to have very low levels of these sort of plant defense compounds. These compounds that are that express more in the wild forms of kava, because Pyromethysticum is domesticated form that sort of bred down these compounds, right? Uh, and so, you know, these are the kavas that have been used daily uh, for 3,000 years or you know, a little bit less once they dialed them in. And they're the only ones that are consumed daily. The other ones have acute medicinal value or hit a little harder. Kava was banned in Europe for a while. Why did they ban it? That is probably the most important point that we can make today about kava. 
just like most plants, um, you know, sort of in the world of medicinal plant medicines, there are, you know, misconceptions and myths that surround virtually everything there was around cannabis, because these are nuanced conversations. And just like what we're having right now is it's like when we say kava, what is kava, right? We call all kava kava, right? It's, it's kind of like CBD is not marijuana. And we've spent years now trying to make the clear distinction between CBD that's non-psychoactive and highly psychoactive marijuana, right? And the same thing is going on here. Basically what happened there, there was a series of studies that, was, that were conducted in Germany and Switzerland in early 2001 to 2002. And this was at the verge of what was about to be a huge kava boom because kava was finally making its way out into the world, even in this subtle extract form. Uh, one pharmaceutical company, which I won't name, but uh, made one pharmaceutical product where they did not adhere to these traditional preparation methodologies, right? Um, so they got a hold of some un unscrupulous you know, farming practices that didn't use probably the right parts of the plant as well as they used acetone extractions, which can leave some of the solvent back in there. They didn't adhere to any of those quality standards. And you know, this has been vetted out over the last 15 years and virtually every, every country that elicited a ban on kava has lifted their bans or is in the process of lifting their ban. Germany lifted their ban back in 2014-ish. Um, and so much so that the WHO has even taken a position on this where they've issued a statement back a few years ago saying that as long as you adhere to traditional kava, the true, the true definition of traditional kava, that it's safe for human consumption and there's no evidence in the ethnopharmacological data that it's not, so. Okay, uh, so it, it, it basically was, was a, a classic case of regulatory over-aggressiveness. Uh, over uh, the same thing happened uh, with some amino acids uh, a while ago in the US, tryptophan, which a lot of people have heard of, you know, the turkey amino acid that isn't really going to make you that tired. It's overeating, makes you tired at Thanksgiving. But uh, tryptophan does create more serotonin in your body. And someone synthesized some tryptophan that was chemically not tryptophan that had some neurotoxins in it that actually killed some people. So, like, we're going to ban tryptophan. And you're like, wait a minute here. That would be like, banning meat because someone sold something that wasn't meat that said it was meat, right? You know, like, but it's not the same thing. So apparently that happened with kava. And you know, 15 years later, I will, I will actually take my hat off to the European regulators who reversed their decision. Uh, typically, a lot of governments, like we made a decision, we're the government, we can't be wrong. So 50 years later, we're still following the same thing. For instance, how long did it take for cannabis to become legal in the U.S.? <laughs> it's still not legal all the way, right? It's just because of that resistance. Thanks. Basically, it was an enigma for so long. But, well, so much so, just one quick point on that. Um, it's, it's, it's so much so that um, this group of scientists who, have, who we've collaborated a lot with, both in Vanuatu and in the islands and some in Germany as well, to help get this stuff overturned, um, have actually made a proposition several years ago for an international quality standard to be set in place by the by, by Codex, be adopted by Codex, which is a um, you know a, you know a co-initiative of the WHO, for regulatory agencies to fall behind that lays out these criteria, all the ones that I just laid out about traditional preparations, no solvent extraction, has to be 100% root material, no mycotoxins, um, and it's supposed to be adopted by the end of 2020, early 2021, if we're lucky with everything with COVID and stuff, and if here to those quality standards, then you can get food classification just like coffee. I, uh, I'm definitely feeling uh, what, uh, what I took there. Uh, and how long does it normally take to hit uh, after someone takes kava? 
Yeah, so if you take it with, with coffee and MCT, you put it immediately on your tongue, you can feel it pretty instantly. It can take up to 20, sometimes 30 minutes to, to fully hit maybe. I feel like in about 10 minutes after I took those, uh, as we're talking, a little bit buzzy, um, slightly spacey, not in a bad way, and uh, definitely more parasympathetic, uh, more parasympathetic uh, than, I, than I was before. So a little bit chill. And I kind of feel like my visual field's a little bigger than it was before, but it's definitely doing something in there. It, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a mild altered state, I would say, but not in a bad way. Uh, so there you go. I do not feel that from the oil. The oil, though, just cranks up my sleep quality really well. Um, but this is a different feeling. So, all right, thanks for convincing me to do it. Yeah, yeah. And it's it, it really is one of those things that sort of keeps on giving the more you use it. It sort of integrates its way in your system. Uh, and it, it really is, it's it sort of, you get more used to it, your brain gets more used to it. And uh, I, I, I continue to fall more in love with it the longer that I consume it over time. And that's what the indigenous people have always said too. So it's very interesting. From a hard science supplement perspective, you know, I did my research about this stuff before I decided I was going to stack it in. Um, it binds to the GABA receptors, kind of the way alcohol does, right? So that's good. It, it can be relaxing. Um, calcium channel blocking is something that a lot of people don't, uh, don't necessarily know about, but if you are going to be exposed to EMF fields, like when you're flying and things like that, um, I've explored taking uh, prescription calcium channel blockers to lower the effects of voltage gated, uh, calcium channels. So if you get exciting of that part of the cell, you get way too much calcium influx into the mitochondria, which causes a massive reduction in how they function, which causes inflammation. And that's one of the reasons you get puffy legs when you fly. So have you ever played with using kava when you're flying to be more resilient? Absolutely. I take it every time before. Whenever I was really and um, I, I had a lot of environmental sensitivities because I was so neurotoxic and stuff. One of the sensitivities that I developed was EMF sensitivity, which I never would have believed was possible before. I would have thought that was completely nonsense, especially that just wasn't on my radar. This was years ago, right? It wasn't even talked about hardly ever. But when I started taking kava, like my EMF sensitivity got so bad that I couldn't get on a phone call and I couldn't virtually do anything or communicate with anyone. And I was sort of quarantined and was reacting horribly to everything and having seizures as well too, sometimes set off by, by other things. But EMFs was one of them. Whenever I started taking kava, not right away, but as it started to integrate its way into my system, by the way, I was on heavy doses of benzodiazepines to stop these convulsions and reactions earlier on. But as I started taking kava, I noticed like an 80, probably an 80, 85-ish percent reduction in my EMF sensitivity sim, you know, symptoms, which was just, I mean, to me, it was heaven. I got so, so much relief and I could get on the phone again and I could talk. And that was from the symptoms perspective, right? Um, but I noticed a very, very quick relief. And it's not like everyone would feel that because a lot of people aren't sensitive and feel EMFs. But that really said something to me. And it wasn't until later on where I was really digging into the literature and sort of reading everything I could find where I, I came across all these mechanisms. And after reading Martin Paul's work, which you know Joe Mercola referenced in his last book, EMF, um, that was something that really, really stood out to me. So I think there's some value for using it just as a calcium channel blocker. And then another thing that's listed in the literature is COX-2, which is basically what non-steroidal anti-inflammatory things like aspirin or ibuprofen or actually acetaminophen isn't, uh, isn't in that same COX category, is it? But anyway, like aspirin or Aleve or ibuprofen, uh, things like that. Naproxen is what Aleve is. 
So similar pathway there. And it's also an MAOB inhibitor, which is an antidepressant. It's, it's a mild MAOB, not like the hardcore stuff. Um, and I think it's reversible from what I'm remembering. Is it reversible MAOB? Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, and reversibility, if you're listening, you're going, Dave, what the hell are you talking about? Um, when you're looking at things that, that push on the MAO system, these are generally antidepressants. But the things that are reversible are good because uh, if, if you basically need, your, if your body needs to regulate it, it can. Most of the prescription antidepressants are irreversible. So basically, once they flip a switch, you can't unflip it and you want it to be reversible. So I don't know, I'm definitely feeling like I took something now as the stuff is, is sitting in. I, that visual field being kind of bigger, I feel like and I'll be super happy, like my aura is bigger um, in that there's a, an, a sphere of awareness around your body just where you're more plugged into things. It feels like it's about two feet bigger than it normally is. Uh, and I'm definitely feeling the anti, like the calming anti-anxiety effects, but there's still like an inner focus and awakeness thing that I wouldn't have with alcohol. With alcohol, I'd be kind of feeling like this, but I'd also be feeling a little bit, a little bit sleepy. Like I, I've been one of those guys where, you know, if, if I'm really going to enjoy alcohol, I should have coffee with it. <laughs> so you get like the up and the down, right? Okay. Exactly. It's like calm but present. It's very centered, right? It's a it's a centered, but you're very. It also brings out feelings of empathy as well, too. Uh, you know, especially in larger dosages, where it's very, very good. Actually, in in in, in Vanuatu and Fiji, the chief of the village of, of all the villages, if there's a dispute in the village, the the people involved in the dispute are forced to settle it over kava because it really helps you connect and it helps you be right present and sort of put yourself in the other person's shoes and sort of see things. So. Subtly, it helps you put things together and reflect too on your own circumstances. So, interesting. And then uh, the other stuff uh, that I came across, and I just want to validate with you, is uh, fat burning pathways uh, or during ketosis or during fasting, uh, because it's an appetite suppressant. Anything that makes you not hungry generally makes fasting less painful. Um, but it also turns on autophagy, which is a big part of superhuman. This. Uh, um, this idea that you can get rid of zombie cells in the body and get rid of weak cells and replace them with, uh, with stronger cells. Do you know how it does autophagy? Is, is, do we understand it that well? So, yeah. So you know, the mechanisms have been pretty clearly demonstrated. So one of the main six covalactones, Yangonin, has been shown to be a powerful activator of AMPK. So uh, the, the adenosine monophosphate activated protein kinase pathway, which is that burning and cellular autophagy activating pathway. It puts the body into kind of a recycle mode. So whenever food is not present, it tells you to eat from its own, and it's so smart that it'll eat the bad stuff first. The usable energy is fuel. And that's another one of the kava's protective mechanisms. All of these effects of kava really, kava really, its signature, I think, and it's sort of like life force, if you will, from a philosophical perspective, it's a protective substance, right? So that's why it has protective pathways from reducing glutamate levels through GABA and sodium calcium channel blocking to activating cellular autophagy and turning over fat into ketones and all of these things are protective. And when the same thing with Cox, you know, stuff and everything and the, the NRF2 upregulation as well that, that occurs, these are hormetic sort of stress pathways. But with the fat burning though, it's known as an AMPK activator as well as a suppressor of mTOR. So that's, that's like a seesaw, right? You know, you've got, you've got, you know, you recycle and renewal on, on one end. You've got growth and you've got autophagy. And um, it, it supports that pathway similar to coffee, right? We know coffee mobilizes free fatty acids. That's why it's so synergistic too with that. In fact, the AMPK pathway is something else coffee does. So yeah, it would stack well with coffee. 
I'm I'm intrigued. I admit that I really focus on the oil because I'm like, wait a minute, this stuff really works uh, in a in a really meaningful way. And uh, now that I'm feeling the shots, it's different. I'm gonna have to take a few more shots and see how I can dial that into my day. Uh, and anytime you find a natural compound that's been used medicinally for thousands of years. Um, that has broad spectrum use across these things. Oh, my brain works better. I have less anxiety. I have better focus. Uh, you know, it helps me lose weight and all that. One side of your mind is going to say, oh, that's too good to be true. The other side of your mind is going to say, well, wait, why have they been using it for thousands of years? You know, what are the downsides? And then you look at the downsides and it's, well, okay, is it created properly? It doesn't look like there's a lot of them, at least not that I could find. What are the downsides though? I mean, this can't be perfect. Uh, so what, what would the risks of kava be? You know, just like we you know, kind of talked about earlier with you know some of the stronger plant medicines that they're really strong tools and they have therapeutic application and context matters. The thing about kava that I 100% can honestly say is that it probably has the best sort of therapeutic effect to drawback ratio of any powerful medicinal plant compound that I've ever come across, right? Because not that it has no drawbacks because especially if you get the strains right. Like if you get the strains wrong and you get a little bit more, you know, some of those wild kavas, you drink a bunch of it, you could have upset stomach, you could have, you know, some lingering grogginess that comes through the next day. But we've dialed it in so, so much that whenever you get these amazing strains in these really palatable forms and gotten rid of a lot of the tannins and certainly gotten rid of a lot of the, all of the, you know, plant defense compounds and things, um, you, you, you end up with something that is so smooth and that is so pure and that has cumulative benefits over time. And kava's been well, well demonstrated to be completely non-addictive. For, for it to have the effect on dopamine that it does, to be able to boost mood and elevate mood in the way that it does and act like a benzodiazepine, for me, it was a tremendous step down or transition off of benzodiazepines. I was able to get off benzos in two months by taking it, right? Um, which is unheard of. And benzos are a, a silent you know, you know, epidemic, just like opiates. Um, you, you know, we've seen it help in opiates too. But when it comes to the drawbacks, it's mainly just you know, some people can have a reaction or intolerance to anything. Maybe some people would make them feel a little bit too spacey and stuff. But with these really pure noble kavas, there are so, so few drawbacks. The only things I can think of is there are rare allergies that very rare sometimes that people have with their skin. Um, and that's, that's really it. I've taken kava for extremely long periods of time, stopped cold turkey, and I felt better before. There's, there's literally, I've never seen or heard of a true kava withdrawal. Even coffee, as great as it is, it's possible, right? You know, So it's, a, it's, it's really a unique substance. Well, Cameron, thank you for sharing all the details and thank you for offering a code for listeners. So if you guys are as intrigued as I am, I've been doing the Kavaplex for a year before I had Cameron on the show. So you can go to GetTrueKava, that's GetTruKava.com, and you can use code DAVE15. They'll give you 15% off. Uh, try it for sleep. Try some of the shots and see what you feel. I'm feeling really good on the shots that I had. I definitely felt it come on probably 10, 15 minutes after I took it, uh, and I'm feeling pretty chill and focused and I'm speaking in complete sentences, which is a good thing. Uh, so Cameron, just thanks for, for doing the deep work it takes to make something where you don't just, oh, I'm going to call up a supplier, order some powder, throw it in a capsule and then put a pretty sticker on it, which unfortunately is happening a lot. Anyone who listened to this episode understands you've done the deep formulation work that's required to make something that actually works. And I, I got to say, I'm 
I'm pretty darn impressed. And when I don't take it at night, I notice a difference on my aura ring score every single night. So the the two things that have made a the biggest difference in terms of substances that I take at night, the stuff that I take all the time, um, I take Kavaplex, uh, and I take the life cycle lion's mane Australian mushroom extract. And I've had those guys on the show for the same reason. Like, okay, if, I've, if I'm using it this much, I'm going to be willing to talk about it and sort of uh, help listeners understand that I think it's worthy and of merit. So I, I genuinely appreciate the dedication you put into this. Congratulations on you know, recovering both from the, the addiction side of things and just from having your health be trashed the way mine was. Uh, anything else you'd like to to say about Kava that we missed? Yeah, I mean, you know, just to say real quick, I, I mean, first of all, I just want to say how much I appreciate the work that you do because when I was sick and I was in the deepest, darkest state of just hopeless desperation where I was quarantined and I'm a young kid and life was over for me on paper, like there was every bit of logic in me said that I would never make it out of my circumstance. But I valued life so much and a, a lot of times, you know, that was largely due to perspective change I had maybe through plant medicine and just through the humbling experience of getting sick. Um, but I, I really reached out for, for inspiration, you know, for people in the field who could show me that it was possible. And you were absolutely one of those people for me. So say thank you so much, man, for that. So I'm just really, really excited to be, you know, a part of it. And I was really, really excited to come on the show um, because I so respect everything that you do. And, uh, you know, thanks so much for having me on, man. You got it, Cameron. Thanks. Guys, gettruekava.com. T-R-U, not T-R-U-E. Gettruekava.com. Use code DAY15. Save a little bit of money. Give this stuff a try for your sleep or just to be calm and chill during the day when you're tweaking about whatever you're tweaking on. I think there's merit to this. Have a beautiful day. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.